eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back into a second day with us guys on the College Football Podcast here at Full 10 Yards. Back for our scouting podcast, episode two. Last week, if you didn't catch it, go back, listen to us talk about some top running backs that you'll be coming out and seeing in the draft. This week, we're hitting up linebackers, so we've got plenty to talk about. I think we've got another jam-packed podcast today. I think we've, we've kind of chucked in a couple of names um, as well into the ones of um, what we had planned originally, and obviously we've got our sleepers to get through as well. So as usual, same format as last time. Um, just kind of run through that for anyone who's listening to their first one. So the four of us have got a linebacker each, and that's how we're going to kind of work it. And then we've also got a sleeper. We've got a fifth guy. We always have a fifth guy kind of that we're all going to kind of group in on um, sort of way down. But these are going to be generally your five best guys, six best guys, plus a bunch of sleepers. I'm joined by Andy, Liam and Rob, who didn't join us yesterday. So Mr. Greenwood, welcome in for this week. How's everything going with yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, yes. Um, sorry, I missed yesterday's episode. Um, had a bit of a mad one at work, but um, here for this one. So, uh, so yeah, ready for it. Getting into um, uncharted waters for me, defensive players. <laughs> so I have been, honestly, I have been on the grind this week with tape, with stats, with videos, with articles, you name it. These guys are the most researched guys you'll hear today. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> good to hear it. Yeah, I mean, it does have that fantasy element, doesn't it? Because you linebackers, you're your yeah. IDP guys who you're, you're yeah. taking early doors. So, yeah, for any IDP fantasy guys, you know, you, this, is a, this is a pod for you after you had your uh, running backs last week. Liam, I'm going to come to you first. We're going to start with an Alabama guy because we finished with an Alabama guy last week. And you're going to call the thoughts about Dylan Moses. I am going to talk about Dylan Moses. Um, I've been, um, like, singing his praises this season. Um Alabama's, I'm going to say like middle or now that we're more modern terminology, Mike linebacker role this year. Um, he's still for me like the the kind of leader on that Alabama offense. Um, kind of made his name uh, in 2018 um, when he was only a sophomore and uh, played so well that he was a finalist for the Buckus Award, the uh, top college linebacker award. Um, in fact, like at quite a young age, Alabama took him on to report that he was offered a scholarship when he was in eighth grade. Um, so that gives you uh, an idea of, of how good at a young age uh, he was. Um, missed the whole of 2019, though, uh, last season. Um, suffered a knee injury right at the start of the season. And um, I've spoken before how that kind of um, robbed us uh, of him in terms of uh, what I thought was going to be a really good season. And uh, so started this uh, season with high hopes. Um, has gotten off to an interesting start um, now that he's um, playing uh, as the kind of, as I call it, Mike linebacker. Um, in terms of uh, like uh, his pros as a as a player, he's just moves really, really nicely um, up and down towards backfield. Great side to side range as well. Um, he's so great to watch on film he's just always there always around the play always around the ball carrier um i really like the old there's like a bit of old school in him there's a quickness and explosiveness so much power when he hits as well 
can take people down as as quickly as he wants to really it's very very difficult to get uh, through him once he's he's kind of tuned into the ball carrier and and a great tackler he, that hard hitting style but he wraps up so well it's very very difficult to break his tackles has an ability to read plays really well um the fact that he can move so quickly um on those kind of uh, short plays um, in fact, that he can take out those kind of short, quick throws uh, in the modern NFL. So defensive coaches uh, will, will love that. The fact that he can take those um, plays, quick plays out uh, at the speed that he can. Um, he's played a variety of positions uh, on the on the defense. He's played off the edge. Um, he's played uh, out wide. Uh, and now, like I say, um, kind of learning the kind of middle linebacker uh, leader role it, there's so much more space uh, to cover so much more to keep an eye on um, and I think that that's kind of been what's kind of slowed him this season hasn't got off hasn't had as great a season certainly at the start of the season uh, as some expected that kind of aggression really comes out in his game and can be a little bit over aggressive in pursuit needs a bit more technique to his pass rush a few more uh, cons on him. He's getting a bit knocked for his production. Um, I think it's more high standards because he's not that bad. And uh, again, like I say on film, he's like I just love the fact that he's just always there and always um, uh, following the ball. Um, I think that teams in the NFL will see uh, the performances this year as a plus, um, despite the fact that he's obviously learning the position because I think there'll be teams that will enjoy just figuring out where best to use Moses um, and he's still going to be there to the end of the season with Alabama and still the leader on that defense and um, yeah still for me one of the top linebackers in this draft. Yeah the detractors are seeming to be mounting up don't they a little bit and I think some Johnny come lately I'm sure which we'll talk about a couple Kind of yeah, like I say I think that's just the high standards that he set is kind of uh, Sounds a bit of an excuse, but um, that's, I'm sticking with that one. I think that he's had a really good, he's still had a good season. And you look at his, his stats and you look at him on film, um, there's not too much wrong with his overall play. I think it's a question of learning a position. And I think that that's what's happening to him this season in terms of uh, the different style of play. He's, he's kind of operating out right out of the middle of the field at the moment this season, learning that Mike linebacker role. Mm. Yeah, it was almost like legendary. I don't know if you kind of looked into the background, things like that. His dad kind of trained him from from such a young age to be a linebacker, like training him how to hit in the backyard and things like that, and just making him do all sorts of drills just to be a linebacker. And this is obviously where this you know eighth grade scholarship comes from. Yeah, I did hear about his his dad as a trainer and being like the kind of yeah the kind of sole voice in pushing uh, his eighth grade son. Uh, to get that spot on Alabama or with Alabama. Hmm. Seems to have sounded in good stead though, because like you say, plays the position naturally. Um, maybe slowed down a little bit by the injury as well. Obviously still coming back from that, but generally a, a top linebacker prospect, even though you know you might see other websites out there, one particular high-known, well-known one that's kind of taken away from his performances this year. But yeah, I agree. I think he's a very good linebacker prospect. Should be one of the first two or three off the board in the spring for sure. I, I don't think he's going to be outside my top two going forward. I, I lo- like I say, there's that there's an old schoolness 
if that is a word to his style that I really like. I love the way that he can follow a run game into the backfield, and he, he's got a uh, he's got a real violent streak when he uh, seeks in on the ball. He, he'll he'll hit very hard, and uh, I love that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I don't think um, many people will disagree. I don't think about that. Uh, like I say, top one, two, or three in the linebacker group moving forward. Not a hugely deep group. I don't know if you guys feel any differently. I don't think there's a great deal at the top. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it's not a great year um, depth-wise for uh, linebackers. Um, and that's, again, going to help him out, isn't it? Anybody that's uh, got a few detractors. Um, yeah, I think that he I, he's proved the health side of it for me mm. I yeah. don't think that there's that's been an issue so I think that I think he, he's one where there's a there are a lot of detractors but I think NFL teams are still going to have him way up on their boards yeah I'd like to like to think so Rob you're going to talk about one of your guys playing for your team and one of these mm-hmm. Johnny come lately's I think that I've kind of just mm. mentioned a minute ago yeah, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, or just Jeremiah Owusu as a commentator say, so we'll just shorten it to that. Um, or as you, you said uh, before we started here, JOK, I think you said, oh, I quite like that, I might, might stick. Um, yeah, a senior outside linebacker from my very own Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, and yeah, like you said, he, he he's <laughs> this time last year, or even at the beginning of the year, he was kind of sitting there, sort of a third round prospect day two prospect um and yeah he didn't think much of him and then all of a sudden this year bang he's come on to the scene with 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 a big bang and and now he's yeah you see on draft boards all over all over the internet where he's going and that's in the first round he's cemented himself at the back end of the first round and i've seen him just looking today and he's been going sort of in the mid first round as well, uh, as high as that. So he really has done his stock, some, some really good um, things this year. Uh, and it's, it shows watching him on the field has just been, been incredible. He's just, he's just everywhere. And, and we'll go through some pros and cons of him in a minute. But one thing which you see, if you watch his tape, is just the first thing is is is, is outstanding power and he's just his tackling ability is, is just brilliant. He just he he dives and I've got, I've called him on my notes here. I've called him like a Rottweiler because a Rottweiler when they bite they don't let go they clamp and they they lock on and he's just like that. He clamps them, he locks on, he just won't let go. He's such a powerful tackler. It was really good to watch. Um, Let's take you back to the beginning then. He was um, out of Bethel High School in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, was originally committed to the Virginia, but decommitted after Notre Dame offered him a scholarship. Uh, he had loads of offers from all over the league. Um, some belt and ACTC teams mainly, but obviously decided to, to, to go and, and, and play for the best team in college football. Uh, uh, he's 6'2", 216 pounds, which... That's the main knock for him for me. Um, he's slightly undersized for a linebacker, 216 pounds is about yeah, it's about 15, 16 pounds off where you'd like to see uh, a linebacker of his ability. Um, but when you're talking at the moment, looking at like the best linebackers in the league, and you see players like Dryas Leonard at Indy and Ruckwan Smith at, 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 at Chicago, slightly different players, but they're yeah, two hundred and thirty pounds. So it's not too much, but the question then becomes: obviously, his 
main trait is his speed and his, his power. If he puts on an extra weight, is he going to lose some of that? That's the big question. We've asked that. We asked that last week with some of the running backs, and we're going to ask that again, I'm sure, throughout this scouting process. This player is slightly undersized. He needs to put on something. But if he does, does he lose his one of his main traits? So, um, But no, his... Uh, yeah, brilliant to watch. Very adaptive. Um, he can play defensive end. He can play interior. He can he can drop. Um, he can play almost like a safety. So he's a, he's one of these. Um, I think the 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 phrase that I stumbled on quite a lot when when I was looking um, at some tape and, and earlier when I was doing some research was tweener, which is one of these like in between kind of positions. Uh, he can play everywhere basically. Um, uh, yeah, his main trait is, like I said, an excellent tackler. He hits so hard. Uh, it's good to see. Uh, he's got very high-level instincts. He'll be able to play at all three uh, and all three downs at the NFL level. Um, his speed is his absolute outstanding trait. Um, you know, it just his speed allows him to gather a load of like natural power. Um, but because of his size, it means that he does struggle against the bigger interior O-line when going through the middle. Um, but because he's so speedy, he can get to the to the outside and, and he's almost like a, he can play like an edge rusher um, and get to the quarterback and get to the, the runners behind the behind the line, which is fantastic to see. Um, his stats were I'm, I'm a stat man, obviously being fantasy football inclined as my other part-time job here for the full 10 yards. Um, I, I, I don't go a lot by stats, but I think it was very apparent that stats don't mean everything when I was looking at JOK because last year his stats were actually technically better per game basis. Obviously, they only played 10 this, this year and 13 last year, but per game basis, his stats were actually better last year. Um, but he's developed his tackling and the way he tackles and his technique has got so much better, like so much better, uh, which is why he's gone from being a day two pick to being a possible, probably a day one pick. Um, you know, it's because of that technique. It's because of his refined, those skills that he needed to refine. Um, but let's have a look at the cons. Like I did mention, he's slightly on the side that I think that's probably his biggest con for me. Um, he, he's not the most powerful like i said he can his his speed he can create some power but he's not the most powerful i mean you're talking you know players like you look at linebackers around the league like bobby wagner who's 245 pounds so much power behind him you, you don't get this from jok but you get the speed um and, and like i did touch on earlier if if he if he can't get to 230 235 it might be beneficial and NFL teams might like to see him in a sort of a more of a safety role. I remember Isaiah Simmons and Isaiah Simmons is a bit bigger coming out last year, but he was called the unicorn of the draft, wasn't he? Because he was a linebacker slash safety. I wonder if, if JK could possibly do that role as well. He could possibly play at a safety. He's got the, you know, he's got his six, two, um, so 215 pounds. So if he can't put on that extra weight that he needs to be a dominating hard NFL linebacker, then it might be that an NFL team could see him switch into safety. Um, and again, the, the biggest question mark is if he if he does put that weight on, how does that affect his speed? But all in all, very very good player to watch on tape. Um, you'll you'll enjoy how hard he hits and, and his tackling ability is, is is absolutely brilliant. That's why he's gone up the draft boards. That's why NFL all over him at the moment. And I think he's going to be cemented as a as a day one pick. Yeah, he's a player I've really enjoyed watching this season. He's a player who affects the game in multiple ways as well. You know, he, he can drop back in coverage and play the coverage really well, but I just say he can come up, make the hit and drop someone as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, been one of the real stalwarts of that 
ND defense, really, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's because he's, he's so much success as a, as a blitzer and some pressuring off the edge. So he's kind of a, a Swiss the Swiss Army knife. I hate that saying because it's used so much when we're when we're scouting. But it, it is it is like that as a, as a linebacker, which is it's fun to watch and obviously so much success um, in that in that um, in that defense uh, this year has just been it's been great as him being the sort of the central figure. Yeah, sure. I was I was going to say like um, one of those players you've seen develop because he's 29 ta- uh, 2019 tape is proper boom or bust stuff, isn't it? There's a <laughs> quite a lot of uh, missed plays, which yeah. uh, I haven't really got him. Uh, well, I've, I've got him as my fifth ranked uh, linebacker, to be honest. But there's a lot of uh, kind of out of position when when the run game comes around the edge. Um, and he's kind of coming up off the uh, out of the kind of nickel position almost, so he's covering the, the slot receiver. So, yeah, again, it, it kind of shows that he, he can. He's like a, a coverage guy as well, which is which is good. But then there's quite a few where he's just getting uh, he's just getting run by, and it looks a bit lost uh, on his 2019 tape. But I think he's definitely um, got rid of that for the for the most part this year, from what I've seen. Uh, so good, like. You know, good thing for scouts to see as well as that progression, and you can definitely see that. I think the one word is key when you're talking scouting for the NFL and what the scouts look for is versatility. Uh, and that is what he's got bags of versatility. And like like I said, and you just said there, he, he's refined that technique, he's, he's made it better from last year, which is the difference between your middling round contracts and your, and your top end contracts. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, one to watch. Um, sorry, Liam, is that a last-minute appeal? A last-minute appeal? Yeah, a last-minute appeal just because of uh, his size. It, it's uh, it's just a little bit concerning for me. I don't remember seeing a linebacker as small mm. as him. I don't even buy that he's 215 pounds, to be honest. I think he's smaller than that. And there's really... in like, The guy that I had in mind was Isaiah Simmons, so Rob's like, right to mention him, but these kind of these hybrid guys that you can possibly uh, play safety, play in uh, different uh, different slots on the um, formation. But he just looks like a safety in waiting to me. I, I just don't see him as a linebacker. It's um, he's 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 very very small. <laughs> yeah, I, I, am I right? You might correct me here, but he did play some safety in the past, right? Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's. I'm sure I've heard it on commentary on, at some point. Game more, but um, yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, he might have done mm. in the past. I haven't really. Uh, I haven't heard it mentioned. Like you just said, if broadcasters have have brought it up, I'm sure he has. It seems to suit his style. But yeah, the the pros are that he he'll get the opportunity to play in those kind of situations because he is more of a step back than rush forward linebacker. Yeah, maybe like a run and chase will or something like that. If not, if um, you know, if he doesn't bulk up a little bit, if not safety. Um, Rob mentioned versatility um, being a really key attribute there, and the guy who I'm going to talk about, Michael Parsons, kind of brings all that uh, to the table. Um, just start with the measurements: six three, two forty five. So we're talking about like a proper linebacker now, not um, one of these you know hybrid guys. Came to Penn State as a defensive end, so didn't actually start as a linebacker, and pretty much plays there about 50% of the time anyway, if we're talking about an actual linebacker. But yeah, he's, my God, this guy is the epitome of athletic. Like there's just explosiveness, there's range, but I'm talking off the edge and also as a linebacker here. 
there's just so much to be looking at because I think he's so intelligent with it as well. He's patient with his rushing. He doesn't just kind of charge up the field, trying to get around the outside shoulder of the tackle if he's playing off the edge. He doesn't just, you know, get fooled by any play action you want to throw at him either. I think in terms of, yeah, his football IQ, his read and react is just top, top-notch player um, moving into the NFL. And like I say, you want pedigree, I think, sometimes. When you're looking at these top 10 draft picks, potentially, which is what Parsons has been talked up as, you probably want some pedigree. You know, sometimes you get a player that comes from nowhere and things like that. But this guy is a five-star product that's come out and has just lived up to that billing in every way he can do. So I've got like some notes here that says he's an absolute terror off the edge, incredible explosiveness, great hand usage as well. So you can see that pass rusher in him and he uses that as a linebacker. He doesn't really get outreached when guys are getting up to the second level on him. Diagnoses plays really well, as I mentioned, and has got stopping power. You know, if we're talking about JOK with stopping power and he's developed that, well, Parsons has already got that and more. Obviously, he's this bigger guy. And he's got super tackle radius as well. You know, if a lineman comes up onto the second level and locks onto him, he can still bring down another guy with one arm. I just think he, I mean, I've got here, he's, he's played at Mike, Will and Edge. So we're talking about that versatility again. Long arms, 100% effort all the time. And like we just said about Dylan Moses a minute ago with Liam, always around the pile, always making tackles, always doing something, always being involved. Massive shame, obviously, that he didn't get to play this year or opted out maybe rather than poorly phrased there by saying he didn't get to play. But I don't know if he's going to affect his draft stock that much because he's got the tape there, even though it's only for a couple of years. I managed to watch three games of his from last year, uh, Michigan, Minnesota and Memphis. And just so impressed with everything that I saw, um, just all the way through all three of these games. He won, that, the Memphis game was, I can't remember what bowl that game it was now, I think it might have been the Cotton Bowl. Um, and he won defensive player of the, oh, he might have even won player of the game for that game, in that bowl game. And that was his last time that we saw him on the field for Penn State. And obviously, like, you know, we say, I mean, I know on the college football podcast, we've kind of been ribbing Penn State because obviously they haven't had a great season, but they would have won more games if number 11 was on the field. I'd, I'd say that. Moving over to cons a little bit, because he does rush off the edge fairly often, let's say, doesn't have a lot of um, experience dropping into zone, doesn't really look that comfortable when he does get asked to do it. And with that, it goes hand in hand, doesn't really get asked to track tight ends and play a lot of man coverage either. So it's going to be kind of a fit on whether he kind of has success early on in the NFL. If someone plays him like they do in Penn State, where he can rush off the edge quite often and be aggressive, obviously not the team that's going to be kind of picking in the top 10, but someone like the Baltimore Ravens, absolute perfect fit. Someone that's going to try and kind of use him in the way that he isn't and try to make him drop into zone a lot of the time, he's going to struggle. He's going to, like, year one's going to be rough is what I've got here in my notes because he's going to take a little bit of time to adjust that NFL coverage and doing those assignments. But, you know, if you're looking for a guy who can play as an aggressive sort of off-ball linebacker, edge hybrid, um, this is your guy and you're going to need to get up there and take him nice and early because he's a great, great player. I was just going to say, have you have you seen a better linebacker prospect for the last like five, six, seven years? Because I don't think I've seen a, a player that that good and you know that elite that's ready to come out already. Yeah, I was very like I said, I was very very impressed at everything that I saw. It, it was kind of the sort of thing that because Parsons was my guy for this week, I watched him first because I thought oh, I'll get you know who I need to watch, and then 
for the first like couple of players that I watched afterwards, it kind of looked like I was watching slow motion <laughs> <laughs> because he was just in the backfield so often. And he's you know obviously very intelligent, watches tape because he knows when the run players are coming and when the reads are coming as well. And he's also patient, so he can also react to that as well. So yeah, no, t- absolutely top notch. And uh, like I say, yeah, I think I'd go along with you. In the past few years, I've, I'm struggling to, to think maybe Roquan Smith a few years ago, but I would be... I don't know. I'd probably still put Parsons above him, to be honest. I was, yeah, I was just going to back up what you're talking about uh, all of his, his positives. He kind of you brought up like the the kind of the outside formation that it seems like that that is where he's best suited. Dylan Moses, uh, for example, is like kind of learning that that kind of middle centre fielder kind of role. I, I agree that Parsons is is better away from that and just mm. to be kind of used just to roam probably on the weak side and yeah he's missed at Penn State yeah I thought like he's I can't agree more that they would have won a bit more this year um if he was playing it's going to be interesting to see how the opt-out affects his stock but I yeah I think that he's still going to be well in with the, the shout of kind of maybe top 10 even yeah I, th- I think so and like I say I think it could be one of these where if he's used properly in the NFL and they use him kind of to do what he's doing at Penn State, as I mentioned, he's a defensive player of the year candidate because he's going to get sacks, he's going to make big tackles, he's going to rack up numbers. So he's, he's all there for him, I think, if he's, he lands in a nice spot and not someone who's going to try and make him something he isn't. Yeah, he can be like that kind of... Um, he can take on like a, like a kind of a leadership role quite early in his career if you play him in the right sure. role. He's just going to lead by example. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, we've got some really good linebackers. I think those three guys that we mentioned are kind of the top three ones. So maybe, Andy, coming to you for maybe like a tier two guy here? I don't know, man. Uh, you Impressed? Know when, yeah, you, you know when you just kind of get a guy that's your guy and uh, and you'll go to go to war for him? Um, I reckon I, I've got Bolton as my uh, second linebacker, if I'm perfectly honest. I think he's nice. uh, he, he's very good um, at a lot of things which, which are going to... Uh, like you know, selling to, to NFL teams. Um, again, slightly undersized guy, six foot, um, but he's also got that that bulk behind him, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Which uh, quick player comparison and quick uh, size comparison to Devin White. Uh, Devin White, six foot, two hundred thirty-seven pounds. So uh, very similar there, and very similar players as well. Uh, if you do anything, you should go and watch uh, Tennessee versus. Uh, Mizzou last year and the goal line stand which uh, Nick Bolton comes in and just like I mean I, I felt that felt the hit sitting like in my nice comfy sofa at home and watching on the TV actually hurt me that's, that's how uh, Hardy hits the the running back there so so I hope that guy's okay because a year it's a year ago and it, and it still looks painful so yeah um, that, that's his main game actually is that kind of just that hard hitting coming out of the backfield to, to, to take down the running back. Um, that's where he's really impressive. His vision to kind of track the, the, the ball uh, as it as it leaves the quarterback's hands as well. He doesn't really bite on uh, play, play action a lot. And he's, he's in the backfield time and again to bring down the, uh, to bring down the running back for, as, as the first player there. Um, open field tackling uh, on that note as well. It's absolutely excellent. Wraps up, gets his uh, arms... Uh, around the player and pulls him down without really much much difficulty at all, and that's that power uh, combined with that technique, which is which is really really good. And again, likened to Devin White in that in that aspect, um, the kind of 
vision to get through the line on, on blitz plays as well is really good. Sometimes I think we talked about like the, the running back of the of the uh, defense, and, and it looks like that sometimes when you're watching tape, he just like, like squares his body up and, and, and breaks through the line, and he's into the backfield in a flash. So that's really impressive stuff as well. And you can see why he's like so highly rated. He led the SEC in tackles uh, last year in his first team All Conference. So. Uh, a bit of a bit of caliber behind him there. He's obviously only a junior, so he's uh, you know I, I'm pretty sure he's going to come out. I don't think he's formally said that yet, and, and he'd be really advised to do so. Um, kind of the, the cons very quickly on him. Um, I think I think there's some something to be said for his acceleration not being uh, as good as it could be. Uh, quick release uh, sometimes on when blitzing if he's up on the line. Uh, you know, it looks like he's he's kind of running through mud a bit to, to get up to speed there and, and attack the the O line. But if he, if he gives himself a couple of uh, steps backward, that's where his vision comes into play, and he just slots through the uh, the line between the D lineman as well, and he's into into attack the quarterback. So, I mean, one of those ones where can he work on that? It's it's a debatable one. It's it's not technique. It's uh, it's just natural uh, acceleration. So questionable there a little bit. The size is obviously another uh, another con for for some people. People, um, tackle radius and that sort of thing has, has been raised in other kind of reports that I read on him uh, during the week. But I mean, I don't really see that as a problem. He, he just hits hard, like I say, and, he, and just the way he wraps up his technique kind of makes up for a lot of that uh, there as well. Pass coverage, um, I think he's quite good in pass coverage, especially against the running back. But then when you drop against the, the kind of quick slot receivers or whatever, probably not, not the guy that you really want doing that a whole lot. But again, he's playing the Mike linebacker role. You're not going to see a whole lot of that, um, apart from maybe when you're playing cover two. And, and then you do see like a slight weakness there in, in, in recognition that he needs to drop into his role a little bit quicker. So a couple of things there, like I think mainly technique-wise in, in pass coverage. But again, I'm at like a slight question mark around that acceleration. Uh, when attacking the line of scrimmage. But other than that, I really like him. I think he's coming from like an underrated school. Um, he's kind of one of these running backs at the moment, uh, sorry, line, uh, linebackers at the moment who are really good playing the running back. Uh, and he's definitely a high caliber two down guy. Whether he's the third down guy, I'll, I'll leave that to an NFL team to tell me. But um, yeah, like really, really excited to watch him. I mean, we've, we've talked about size and things like that, about a couple of our guys now. And, you know, if your comparison size-wise, at least, is, you know, Devin White, and we've seen the success that he's had, is it that big of a concern? I mean, we're looking for small linebackers now anyway, aren't we? We're not looking for these two-down thumpers, Ray Lewis, you know, uh, Navarro Bowman kind of guys anymore. We're after these Nick Bolton type players, right? Yeah, that's it. And I think it's kind of, it's almost like a bit of a dying art, isn't it? The, the, the playing the running back uh, solely kind of linebacker, but there's still a place in the game for them. I mean, I, uh, like just to switch onto the Dolphins very quickly, we got rid of Raekwon McMillan um, in the off season and the criticism was him was he couldn't play the pass, um, but he was an outstanding um, like run a player against the run. And, uh, and he's done that. He's gone to the Raiders and then suddenly massive gaps opened up in the running game for the Dolphins. So um, for, for me, you still need this kind of play, even if you're going to, not, not fantastic in pass coverage, that what you can do to stuff the run on first and second down and then, uh, you know, then either go off the field or or whatnot, it's not really a problem. As long as you're playing at an elite level, um, then like, it doesn't really bother me at all. But like you say, um, some people probably differ. Uh, some people have him as a second tier guy solely because of that, but uh, but I, I can just look past that quite easily. I think I think first round talent for sure. 
So I'm guessing with what you said a moment ago, it's Parsons and then Bolton for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people high on Bolton, to be fair, so I don't think you're going too much out on a limb there, to be honest with you. Um, okay, so we've all kind of come to our end with our one player. We've got a couple of the group guys that we want to talk about. Liam, I know we talked about him before when we came on. You're going to talk a little bit about Zayvon Collins. Starts off with this one because I know you've got quite a bit on him, the Tulsa linebacker. Can talk about uh, Zayvon Collins. Yeah, he's an interesting uh, player for the kind of speed, uh, size, um, uh, connection that he's got. He's quick and still um, like a real big kind of heavy guy and can hit hard if he needs to. Um, I like how um, Tulsa kind of use him. They they kind of use him as basically just an obvious outside linebacker, but um, and up against the line of scrimmage. But he kind of rarely. Um, kind of stays there. He's more of a coverage guy. They like to use him in coverage. He can drop back from the line of scrimmage. Really, really good speed and athlete. As I say, for the the size he is, um, lots. I've got like notes on that. He has lots of production in zone coverage and uh, really good football IQ uh, as a result. Because um, he can obviously, uh, as I say, come back from the line of scrimmage and read read plays really nicely. He's got a few um, turnovers. Um, I think he can even for. The size that he is, I think he can improve against contact. I think he's lacking a bit um, as a pass rusher. Um, um, And he's not asked to play sort of into the backfield uh, like the way Andy was talking about Nick Bolton there. He's not kind of asked to play that role so much, which uh, given that the size he is, you kind of probably want that to improve a little bit or certain teams want him to play a certain way in the NFL certainly want that to improve. Um, so he, he's kind of a bit more limited um, uh, with the roles that he can play at the next level, I think, because of that. But um, I think why he's been getting a lot of buzz is because of uh, the sort of athlete he is for his size. Um, again, like can can make plays um, off of his eyes by reading um, teams, but still quite a large guy who's obviously going to uh, hit hard given the opportunity. Yeah, and super production. Obviously, you mentioned before that he's made a lot of uh, plays and coverage, obviously four interceptions, a um, couple of fumble, forced fumbles, should I say, and obviously one fumble recovery as well with a couple of touchdowns. So he's been making big splash plays as well for Tulsa, who you know, having a pretty decent season as well. So he's kind of rising up the, the draft boards, getting a lot of hype from, from a lot of corners, really. Kind of a late addition to our, our five, really. And that's yeah, I exactly quite liked why. it. <laughs> Came to his buzz a little bit late. And yeah, I can uh, yeah I can see it. And that, like you said, uh, splash plays is the right word. It's obviously getting him a lot of a lot of notice at the moment. And yeah, he's definitely rising. Some of the boards that I've seen, um, yeah, really interesting. You wanted to you've kind of teased us a little bit before we came on about a mystery player that you want to wow. talk about. Do you want to talk about right now? Or we wanna... were, well, we were going to um, talk about Chess Surratt as well, weren't hmm. we? And um, um, I think I'll. Uh, leave that uh, for a, a sec but the sort of player that he is it reminds me um, the same sort of um, player as um, as uh, Awusu Karamoa in that they're kind of almost like coverage first linebackers but another guy I wanted to bring into that conversation is Jabril Cox from LSU uh, I mean Rob's not going to like this but I've got Jabril Cox higher than Awusu uh, Karamoa at the moment I think um, uh, Cox is a lot uh, a lot to give and because I knew that we were going to talk about Chesserat as well they, they, these guys they're all kind of as I say similar um, 
he can like Jebril Cox like has got a lot of speed to his game uh, can break up plays as they develop another one like Collins that can get a lot of turnovers has a lot of interceptions um, this is his first year at LSU he's at North Dakota State previous um, and was like just a production machine there um, and now that he's got the opportunity to go to a school like LSU and he's still producing um, I think that's a really good sign. I think mentally that's a really good sign that he can step into a different defense, different plays, different personnel and make plays. Um, and uh, similar to a lot of the coverage players, it, it, the bits where he needs to add uh, is just in the physicality, fighting through blocks, adding more power to his speed. Um, but seeing as that we were talking about guys like Collins that can step back into coverage well, and Uwusu uh, Karamoa, I thought Jabril Cox was um, well worth um, throwing out there just because I've got quite a high grade on him at the moment. Mm, yeah, definitely worth it. I mean, I think this is the new breed of NFL linebackers, isn't it? It's what everyone wants, as I mentioned before. Guys that can cover. And yeah, we're kind of maybe missing out on a few guys, you know, like Raycon McMillan, as we mentioned earlier, for the Dolphins, that are just these two down stuffers, but very much in vogue that you want guys that can cover the pass with the way the league's going at the moment. Um so let, let's actually move on to Surat then. Obviously, a player that, again, we kind of added a little bit later, so it's going to be kind of a group effort. Um, again, a guy that's having a great season, you know, another, like you say, I think we kind of mentioned it a few times, another good coverage linebacker, makes plays, you know, he's got a couple of interceptions, but also makes quite a lot of tackles for loss as well. So a very busy linebacker. Um, almost, oh, I know I, I talked about yesterday, I talked about give uh, UNC a defense, but probably the best player on it, right? You know, it's one of these players that's always around the ball again, making a lot of plays for UNC, but can't do it all on his own and, and supplement the offense there too much. But I'm going to, I want to stay quiet a little bit because my sleeper is from this team as well. So does anyone else want to kind of come on um, talking about Chaz Surratt at all? I will just mention that he was a quarterback, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, and he, so uh, a, a sort of a fun fact about Chaz Surratt, he was quarterback before going to linebacker, so he's multi-talented and mm. very versatile. It's the word of the day, the word of the <laughs> podcast, versatility, versatile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so only a second year at linebacker and, um, yeah, kind of a natural sort of fit by looks things. He's kind of gone from being a backup at North Carolina as a quarterback to playing, <laughs> you know, being their star linebacker, as I just said. Um probably throwing balls to his brother when he was playing quarterback when he was younger. It really helps. It really helps him, doesn't it? In the, the, the coverage aspects of it, you mm. can see he knows what to, uh, he knows what a quarterback wants to be doing. He knows how a quarterback wants to be reading uh, second level um, defense. And I, I, I still think he looks a bit raw in a lot of areas, um, but he is, um, yeah, he's got a lot to it. And I agree that he's quite, um, he's kind of got that hyperactive side to him. He can just make tackle after tackle after tackle during a game. Mm. Um, there's a couple of, there was m more players I'd say last year that were better suited um, to just coverage or just hard hits, but he's kind of got like a kind of a nice mix of everything. Um, similar to guys like uh, Drew Tranquil comes to mind from a couple of years ago. There's guys like that, that are just like, really, really watchable players, just so busy all the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anyone who wants to talk about Drew Tranquil, you've got my attention, to be honest with you. But yeah, obviously needs that experience, doesn't he? You know, we've, we've just said he played quarterback for two years or didn't really play defence at all um, before moving over. So yeah, still super raw, but yeah, plays with a lot of urgency, a lot of, uh, like I said, busy, I think is a word that pops to my mind when I watch him. 
yeah, technique uh, needs a bit of work because it's uh, it's it is fun and watchable to to see a guy that can try and run around play after play, but um, that's an area to improve. Just uh, like up against blocks. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you say, I think he's going to be a day two pick. Um, I would say, and you know, one to develop as time goes on rather than somebody who's going to start for you day one. But, you know, super fun player to watch, uh, just like his brother, like I've mentioned a couple of times, and obviously we'll probably mention him when we get to wide receivers, whenever that time is. But, yeah, that kind of covers us. We've got six, seven guys out there. So that's a, you know, an expanded load for the first part of the podcast. Now we're going to move into our sleeper section. So yeah, into the sleeper section, got one player each. These are ones that we keep secret from each other throughout the week. So if you have any toes being stood on them, we're just sorry to each other and we just kind of go on from there. But yeah, kind of a fun section. Who wants to start us off with their sleeper? Who's got like the most rogue sleeper out of this one that wants to kind of get it out of the way? I'm still baffled that I didn't realise that Say Sharat is Chaz Israt's brother. Really? Really just, yeah, it's just the news to me. I just learned that. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, for that, you can start us off with your sleeper, actually. That's your punishment. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll go then. Um, my, I've, Well, I've got a kind of, I've got a sleeper, but I've got one up my sleeve as well. Um, cool. the, interesting, the interesting thing is they come from the same team. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with, with Paddy Fisher, um, a six foot four, 246 proper size linebacker, <laughs> interior linebacker for Northwestern. Uh, he was a three-star prospect out of um, Katy High School in Texas. Um, he had some big offers from what I would call defensive programs, Houston, Oklahoma State, UCF, Iowa State, sorry. Um, so he had some big offers coming out of high school. He was, quite, um, he was a three-star recruit, but he was, he was quite sort of thought after. Um, and he came into college football and with a bang, really. His freshman year, um, 111 tackles, 65 solo, was ranked fourth in the Big Ten that season, uh, which led him to be named as the second team All Big Ten um, and had a, a fantastic, um, yeah, fantastic freshman campaign. Um, second season, pretty good again. 2018, 116 tackles, 63 solo. So very, very similar to the first. Um and his his draft stock began to climb a bit. He uh, he was I I saw him on sort of a top ten boards a couple of years ago. Um, Paddy Fisher was supposed to be the sort of next best linebacker coming through for this year's draft. Um, but he's kind of tried off a little bit, and that was due to a, a sort of a pretty terrible tw- twenty nineteen. I don't I don't think it was all his fault. He, he didn't he, he didn't have a good season. Don't get me wrong, but Northwestern were pretty terrible last year. If you remember, they were three and nine and were the laughing stock at the beginning of the season. So I don't really think it was all Paddy Fisher's fault that he kind of fell off a cliff, um, but his draft stock took a massive hit. Uh, and we're sitting here today talking about him as a sleeper pick. And I've seen him go sort of late fifth, sixth round as I've been doing the rounds and to find where he's going. Um, he could be an absolute sleeper. Cause you know what? He's actually a pretty good player. Um, when I look at the stats for this year, He's on pace to be better than this is his best year basically at the moment. Um, is is per per game basis he's getting more tackles, more solo tackles, and um, and more tackles for loss than, than he has done his whole career. So he's he's actually having a career year, believe it or not, for Northwestern. Just, they just haven't played many games, so it's hard for him to sort of be there. But he is uh, ranked currently number four in um, Big Ten in tackles. Um, so, you know, he's having a good season. But he's, he's, 
draft stock is just not going up. It's, it's still staying low. So I think he's going to be a sleeper. Uh, the pros, uh, he loves to fly around the field. Um, very similar um, sort of terminology to what I used with Patrick Queen last year. Um, he's a kind of a, a player that just darts around uh, in the middle of the field. Um, he's got elite um, instincts, uh, ex- excellent ability to read an offense. Uh, he sheds blocks constantly to meet runners in the backfields. He's very, very good in the run game. Um, he rolls. His, uh, this is one for Kieran. I, I always like to put a little note in for Kieran of these scouting podcasts. He rolls his hips well through contact there you go kieran um let's just say i do watch people's hips now um more than ever um but and he's got a nose for for big plays he's got 10 forced fumbles in his college career um he hits hard um and he does like to force a fumble he plays very tough very violent um unfortunately there are some some cons um he doesn't he, he hasn't got hardly any sacks um so he doesn't get to the quarterback um obviously i mentioned that down year in 2019 uh, where he didn't stand out there was a chance for someone to stand out on that defense it wasn't him pass coverage it needs improvement it's his weakest area um there's unanswered questions in man coverage uh, it's just something that he's he's a he works very well in the in the run game um very similar to how i would describe Darius Leonard before him becoming a superstar superb in the running game question marks in the passing coverage um and he makes too many many errors as a tackler um and when he's one on one he misjudges opportunities to provide finishes so it's it's just he's not the most dynamic of players there's a lot of areas that need improving but i think these are all in areas that can be improved with the right coaching so that's why he ticks a lot of sleeper boxes for me is because he's got the ability we know he's got the ability he showed it in the first couple of years he's got the power he needs to work on pass coverage uh he needs to work on uh his, his sort of his overall tech tackling technique um but it's all stuff that can be learned in the nfl so i think he's he could be a good good pick in the, in the latter rounds yeah he he burst onto the scene didn't he as mm. a retro freshman and like you say yeah peaked too early almost but he's you know mm. coming back up obviously northwestern had a great season i'm sure yeah. the big 10 championship game he'll be one to watch for sure you know ohio state are going to put some pressure on him in looking at those cons that you mentioned they're going to kind of try and expose him and, and trying to you know, work that linebacker group you know looking, up, looking after justin fields and or the rest of the guys that they've got on the OSU offense. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a big test for him. Maybe in his what will be his last game before he yeah. uh, leaves Northwestern for the draft. So it'll be yeah one for the scouting notebook for sure. I think. Yeah, let me just add in my honourable mention while we're on Northwestern. It is Blake Gallagher, the other uh, inside linebacker at Northwestern. Uh, he's the only linebacker that's kind of statistically been better than Paddy Fisher over the last couple of years. And this year, he's currently fifth in the in the Big Ten in terms of tackles, uh, one place behind Paddy Fisher. So they kind of work hand in hand. Um, Gallagher's slightly smaller, 6'1", uh, 228 pounds. So again, it's, it's this sort of lighter you know, the player that we've just been talking about five minutes ago. Um, I haven't got too much of a blurb written about him because it was just kind of something that came to me while I was sort of doing my last minute research here. Um, but no, you want to look out for very, he's probably going to be undrafted free agent, but technically Blake Gallagher might, might be a better tackling linebacker than, than Paddy Fisher. But I think Paddy Fisher's got the raw talent more, more so than Blake Gallagher, but they're both ones to watch in this draft process. I think Paddy Fisher gets drafted. Blake Gallagher's probably a, a, a UDFA, um, but we'll, um, we'll see. Hmm, yeah. Another good name to look out for then in the, in the Ohio State versus Northwestern 
Big Ten Championship game on Saturday. I'm yep. sure. I think that's on. It's going to be on prime time in the UK, isn't it? As well, so everyone will be there to see it. Yep. Andy, I'll be come to you next. Who's your sleeper? I'm glad you did that because uh, same as last week, I didn't repair a third player. So <laughs> if anyone uh, <laughs> uh, anyone takes mine, it'd be a, a pain in the ass. But uh, yeah, I've gone for uh, Dorian Etheridge, uh, Louisville, who. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll notice a kind of a, a theme here in the, the, compared to Nick Bolton as well. Um, eight tackles for a loss in 2019 for Etheridge. 9.5 already this season. Three sacks as well this year. Um, and the partnership he's had with CJ Avery in that Cardinals uh, linebacking core has, has probably been the most consistent thing they've had for a couple of years uh, there in Louisville. And uh, to be honest, the, the reason why he came to my attention in the first place is that he's had several good games against uh, Florida State and um, and got in the backfield a lot of there. So, yeah, another another kind of not not undersized. He's six foot three. Um, he's two thirty pounds. So maybe he could be slightly heavier in terms of uh, hard tackling. But he is very bulky in the uh, in like you know he's, he's very strong. Uh, Lots of shoulder, lots of shoulder strength, and you can see that from the fact that he drives uh, like O line and back in, in, in quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of his tape. He's he's a very strong player, and it's just the fact that he lives in the backfield. Like if you watch any of his tape, he is just in and around the running game. He's uh, like pressuring the quarterback, and when the quarterback gets outside the pocket, he's the first one that's that's in pursuit, and, and he's got a bit about him to, to, to catch up with those quicker guys there as well. So, yeah, I, I say, watching him against FSU uh, last year, possibly last year, possibly the year before, just getting uh, blue cam acres up time and again, uh, one of them games where I'm still baffled as how uh, uh, cam acres came out uh, unscathed and he just used to get blown up in the backfield every game. But but this this game with Etheridge was just literally every play. It was... Uh, couldn't get the running game going at all, um, and and we haven't really talked a lot about kind of character and stuff, like uh, like because obviously we don't have the access to our locker room and stuff. But um, one thing you do see with him is just he's there every week talking to the media after the game, and, and what you kind of want from these these sleeper bits, I think, is just a kind of proper football IQ, and then the way he like, answers questions and stuff is uh, is very articulate, breaks down plays really well, and uh, you get a bit of a different side of. Uh, you know these these not small school guys because Louisville isn't a small school, but you, you know the, these guys aren't in the national spotlight every week. It's interesting to watch them talk because uh, they, they can like almost sell themselves a lot better that way occasionally. Um, weakness is fairly obvious for for a guy of his of his strength is the pass coverage. Um, I think that's the only kind of thing which is really stopping him going a bit further up the board. Um, He's not the quickest. Uh, he's so he, he gets exposed quite a lot in the passing game, and again, probably a two-down uh, player. Um, the, the like of which you know, like we already talked about, is going slightly out of the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you want a guy who's just going to ball rush, who's going to come in from the linebacker and really put pr- pressure on the quarterback, put pressure on the run game, then Edwidge is a really good late-round pick for me. I think I've got him going fifth round possibly sneaking into the fourth. So not the, the biggest sleeper in the world, but, but a good player. Uh, I really like him and I really like that type of linebacker, as you can tell. Mm. 
I think it's a really good point that you make about the interviews. I think it's really important to kind of tune into that whenever you can, when you're watching these guys. And I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. Having that kind of character is what you want on the back end of your roster. You want people who are going to, I don't mean this in, in a bad way, but kind of just do what they're told and fill a role, really, because that's what you kind of draft them to do. So if you're looking for like a guy who's going to be good in meetings, study hard, work hard, you know, play on special teams probably and potentially work his way up. That's kind of what you get a little window into when you watch these interviews. And especially if he's kind of doing that media duty every week. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's valuable uh, character kind of information on these guys. So yeah, I like it. I don't know too much about the player from perfectly honest, but yeah, um, sounds like a, a good scouting report from yourself there, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to stay in the ACC, actually. I'm going to, I kind of alluded to this before and anyone who kind of knows the, the UNC roster, we've been talking about Chaz Surratt. Um, and talking about the other linebacker, that's Jeremiah Gemmel, number 44 for the Tar Heels. Obviously, Surratt takes a lot of the plaudits and probably is, well, is the better player. There's no problem about it, is the better player. But they're kind of like both cut from the similar cloth, I would say. Both very busy players, both guys that can affect the game in multiple ways. I was watching, obviously, getting um, a lot of viewing in earlier on the season when I claimed my UNC fandom for the season. And he just stuck out every single game that I watched of him. He was just coming up and I was thinking, I think one of the first games that I watched in this season, I was like, I've got to Google who number 44 is because he's just making plays the whole time. Um, obviously, I was aware of Surratt at that time and I wasn't. I don't think I was sure of what number he was and I thought he was number 44. And I, that's how kind of I thought, well, they've got a good linebacker, I'll watch out for him. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of watching this whole time and he just makes plays the whole time. He's very busy, as I mentioned kind of sideline to sideline playing this 3-4. So there's two Mike linebackers are Surratt and Jeremiah Gemmel. And they just seem to be in sync. Like they're just making plays together all the time. I saw a quick interview with, um, uh, it was actually Surratt, but you mentioned Gemmel and how much film they've done together against the for Miami game that's just gone this weekend. And you can kind of tell looking back, thinking back to when I was watching that game on the weekend, thinking how in sync they were when they were making these plays together. And yeah, just going back to the stats, um, pretty um, comparable seasons that he's had from his sophomore year last year, or redshirt sophomore year, and his redshirt junior year this year. Um, obviously played a couple less games, but comparable just under 90 tackles, sacks a couple of them. Obviously he's got a couple of picks this year, so making those splash plays, as I mentioned earlier, and also making pass deflections and forced fumbles as well. So again, another guy that can affect the game multiple ways. I haven't seen an interview with him personally, but just looking at his on-field demeanour, always seems to be exactly what we've just been talking with Andy's guy, talking about those guys that are going to do a job for you, play special teams, play hard every week. And yeah, like I say, it's one of these classic scouting things that when you're watching for someone else, this other guy pops up on the film or on the TV the whole time. And that's what I had with Jeremiah Gemmel. And yeah, just a player that I feel will make a decent career of himself in the NFL. I don't know if he'll ever be a star for anyone, but he'll definitely make a roster and be playing some nice special teams and popping up with a play every now and then. So, yeah, he, he's my sleeper this week. And, uh, yeah, another repping of the North Carolina Tar Heels, which seems to have done quite a lot over these two pods, which, um, yeah, considering, you know, I'm well into the, being a fan now, you know, ingrained in there. Yeah, league. you're a proper fan now. Yeah, massively. So, uh, yeah, obviously can't can't get enough of that, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're almost as bad as Kieran, but that's you. I know, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm becoming really ingrained in UNC folklore, really, almost. <laughs> yeah, no, a good player, you know, a good player that we kind of, you know, mentioned his sort of running mate, and I feel like it's uh, we'd be kind of missing one if we didn't mention Gemmel. So someone I've been really impressed with us watching quite a lot. Liam, that leaves you to, to give us our last sleeper of the podcast. Uh, when we uh, 
when we talk about sleepers and you want to kind of find guys that are maybe playing at a lower level or um, guys that are kind of not getting so much notice, I'm kind of, I'm not going down that route this time because I'm taking a, a linebacker from the SEC played a lot of, he's played a lot of primetime football. It's uh, the senior for Auburn, KJ Britt. Um, he stands out to me because of uh, the role that he plays and uh, how he plays it. He's, um, uh, like I say, he's a senior. Uh, he plays as a kind of a classic uh, middle linebacker role for Auburn who um, play like quite an obvious uh, three along their, their linebacker set. And he's just sits in the middle and uh, will just let either let plays come to him or diagnose plays from where he is. Doesn't have to kind of move around uh, kind of uh, too much in terms of his the role and the positions that he's playing. So um, like that's kind of like has that kind of old school feel to him. Follows the follows the ball uh, uh, everywhere though from that makes from that mid middle position um, makes plays. Uh, constantly one of Auburn's leading tacklers from the last couple of years um, was leading uh, tackler this year um, but uh, got injured in October um, but every time for the last couple of years that I've seen him play I really liked him and he works really well through space so he makes um, plays on the offense and kind of forces the issue um, kind of uh, short for I think he's only about six foot, um, but he's um, he's built really nicely and uh, can really kind of hit hard tackles well. Um, there's a few cons and things to work on. Um, he needs improvement against pass plays. The kind of players that we've been talking about that kind of have a lot of diversity to their game. He's not that. He plays like fairly one dimensionally, but it does play it very well, which is why he's got. Um, notice in some games he's not going but not going to move well and defend passes that come his way not going to kind of play backwards too much um doesn't have um the speed of those lighter linebackers for that reason um and that that kind of word that we've used that versatility uh, of the more coveted um prospects he, he doesn't have so um i think teams uh, that scouting him are kind of going to already need um, a role for him uh, already set because I think it's going to take him a bit of time to kind of learn uh, the kind of uh, different roles that NFL linebackers are asked asked to play. Um, but uh, I think he's well worth it. And like I said, he's been out since October, um, but recently uh, announced that his season's over. They'll concentrate on the senior bowl and concentrate on the draft. And um, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's going to be worth a kind of day three pick. Mm. Interesting, you mentioned senior ball. Has, has he been announced as a call up for that, or is that just yeah, he's used? in there. Yeah, okay, he's, that'd be yeah, he's in there. Yeah, and um, yeah, like I say, worth it. As I say, the kind of the reason why I think he's limited and why he falls under sleeper is that um, he is kind of he doesn't have that that versatility to his game. But I think what he is, what he does, he's very good at. And he's obviously a bit of a tackling machine and he does show up when you watch Auburn. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be good at the next level. Interesting. Do you think he's got the capability to make a claim for a starting position later down the line or is it just a... It's going to be, like I say, it's going to need a team that 
that knows uh, what they want from him and has a role suited to him if they want him to kind of if they want him to kind of move around and learn the different uh, the sort of the different roles of players that we've been talking about previously um, then it will take him a year or two he'll need some special teams play for a bit but um, I think that there's um, I think there's definitely a, a role for him on a team in the NFL that that wants to stick him in the middle and let him let him make plays mm. Interesting. Yeah, good shout. And a bit of pedigree as well, coming from obviously Auburn. He'll be kind of rising up the ranks just from that alone almost um, in some quarters. But yeah, there you have it. So that's our our linebackers episode done and dusted. A lot of good players kind of talked about. Lots of good sleepers there just towards the end. So kind of a bumper edition with the amount of people that we got in there. So lots of of stuff on linebackers this week, which, you know, I mean, it's a bonus for people, isn't it? It's not a position that I enjoy thoroughly. But uh, yeah, good for everyone to get in there. I I enjoy linebackers. I didn't That's have why a problem you came in this with a lot of guys armed with a lot of guys then. Yeah. Yeah. I always seem to do well with them as well. Like uh, for whatever reason, when like uh going through positions, I just seem to do okay with them when it's draft time. There you go then. So if you want a linebacker talk or linebacker tweets, they'll be looking for, for you, Liam, in future. If there's any NFL executives listening, <laughs> you yeah, rewind back to the start. Get a linebacker scout right in the in the but yeah, I think we'll I think we'll get out of there, guys. Um, another good episode. Any shouts for our next position that we're going to come through next week? Flipping it back over to offense, where are we going to go? It's got to be tight end next, doesn't it? Which I was just about end. to say tight end. I was just <laughs> <about> <laughs> no one's going to argue with that, are they? You know, I think tight end's going to be quite a popular shout from yourself, isn't it, Rob? I better get on the on the bagsy now because there's only one guy that I want. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we'll let you have him now that you've talked up uh, a certain tight end out there. But yeah, so yeah, that's it then. So um, yeah, tight ends next week for everyone. Coming back, we'll be talking obviously on the Wednesday, regular college football podcast, lots of things going on as the season comes to an end or draws to an end, should I say, rather than comes to an end. And then there we have it. So tight ends on Thursday for you. So yeah, hopefully we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.